0: Welcome to Mi Gente on Air on 100.5 and 790 News Radio WSGW and online WSGW.com. Now, here is your host, Larry Rodarte. Good evening, Mi Gente. Good evening, and welcome to Mi Gente on Air. I'm so excited today because we're talking about a subject that is dear to many of our hearts, and that is food. We're talking food, the different recipes that we all uh, uh, used to use in making our daily food that we fill our stomachs with. And I'm uh, excited because I recently came and published uh, a cookbook. It was It's called A Dia's Cookbook, and um, it's published by Mijente Publications, and... It's talking, um, I'm talking about a family cookbook with recipes from different aunts and cousins and uncles and myself, and it came out really nice, and it has a lot of the uh, Mexican recipes that I utilize at the Union Civica Mexicana for um, making uh, menudo and making pastole and You know, just other great specialties that have been trickled down from our ancestors. Um, One of them is called Grandma Cecilia's Mole. And today, my first guests are uh, parents of somebody who has opened up a restaurant downtown. And it's called Valerie's Downtown Eatery, I believe. And today... We have with us her parents, Juliana Stricker. Her parents are Bob and Jane Stricker. And I am happy to have them on here because they have had quite a year having a restaurant in the midst of a pandemic in the city of Saginaw downtown. So please help me welcome Mr. Bob and Jane Stricker. Hello.
1: Hi, there. How are you? Good. It's me, Jane.
0: How you doing, Jane? Oh, real good. Well, thank you for being on me, Gente on Air today. We are talking food, and I know you are an excellent cook. I've experienced yep. that myself. I well, thank you. I want to ask you, Jane, um, how has it been for you as the mother of Juliana Stricker, who opens up a restaurant, and we... What year did she actually open it up? In twenty nineteen, yeah,
1: it was on October twenty
0: nineteen. So we're talking October, the fall of twenty nineteen, just before this COVID nineteen thing comes to America, and right. it just changed probably plans on how your everyday activity was starting in March when the shutdown happened. So you guys have really uh, you know been through the ringer, but. You've still succeeded in making uh, Valerie's downtown. Is it Valerie's downtown eatery? Yes. Yeah. You've still uh, made it successful, and I know. I know it's a struggle as a as a business owner right now, because we're you know in a shutdown uh, process until January fifteenth, I believe, and hopefully it won't continue past that. But we just don't know. But tell me, what's it like, Jane, for you on a daily there? At Valerie's downtown eatery.
1: Okay, so then um, the owner is Juliana. She opened up the, the restaurant in October of 2019, like we mentioned. Uh, it was at the time very much excitement building up to to what we were, what was going to happen. Uh, before we opened, she totally had the whole inside renovated, top to bottom. In and out everything was all either demolished replaced redone so the whole interior up and down was all redone over remodeled
0: mm-hmm. we and, had our, and, and we was had, that was the former Wally's old-fashioned sandwich shop right this, that's the yes. building we're talking about at right. 2016 South Washington
1: yes and we're very proud of that building because it's it's one of the historical buildings in downtown Saginaw it's over 130 years old. And we've had a lot of surprises with the building.
0: <laughs> I it's, can imagine. It's,
1: yeah, it's located at 216 South Washington. And they, some of them have been, you know, uh, surprises that we weren't expecting. But for the most part, it's it's been all good. Um, Juliana came up with her own vision of how she wanted the interior dining area to look. And she put a lot of thought and energy and... Um, a lot of creativity into uh, her own idea of oh, how yeah. she wanted, of how she wanted the whole, the whole i the, the whole interior, um, presented. Which is which um, is kind
0: of an eclectic look. She she has a, a long church pew. I know when you go in and you sit, and that's really nice to sit in there. And um, she's got crystals hanging down from the ceiling. I remember seeing that. And and that beautiful table you have in the front that. Uh, oh, you, yeah. I believe, got at um, a, th- a thrift shop, or was it a what was it?
1: Well, see, what, what it is is the whole interior has either been redone, repurposed, recycled in some kind of way. So, all our interior has had a different life someplace else. <laughs> and so, when we were still looking for furnishings for inside, you know, we couldn't afford everything brand new because the cost was just so outrageous. So we started checking into other different things. I'm, I'm an avid marketplace shopper, and just so happened that I was out on, in Bay City looking for items for the restaurant, chairs in specific, and uh, she needed to have some uh, bed sheets while the renovation was going on. So I wasn't going to go and buy brand new bed sheets, you know, for the purpose of renovating because um, there's still builders that needed to have them done. Right. Um, so I would stopped at a thrift store called Cats Meow that's on um, Center in Bay City, and Cats Meow is kind of like a consignment. It's a, a thrift, and it it works mainly to provide jobs for people with uh, disabilities in Bay County. So I went in there looking for the bed sheets, um, started looking around, and I saw that table, and I that table just blew me away, and I thought. All I could see looking at that table was wow, that's a that's a fiesta right there. Yeah, just looking at that table.
0: Yeah, and when and when you sit down at that table, you know, I mean, it just it, it just brightens your spirits because it's so there's so much color and vibrancy in that, and I think that's what I see also as the the mixture of different foods that is served at Valerie's um, from you know m- which which is my favorite Michaela salad. And and the cubano and as well as um, Ma's trash can nachos. Tell me about that because Ma is Jane Stricker.
1: Ma is me. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: well, I like I get too grumpy in the winter, so I I like to leave and go places where it's nice weather. And the past few years I've been going to visit my nephew in Bryan, Texas, and he likes to show uh, me around to different places, things that he likes to see and do. And I'm lucky enough to have my sister who lives in California. We meet up in Bryan, Texas, and we're like two, two little senior and little ladies all over Bryan, Texas, checking different places out. So a friend of ours that we had made down in Bryan took us to this um, little – it was just kind of like a hole-in-the-wall kind of restaurant, and, and they were serving – Trash can nachos. And they were so, so delicious, and everything on them was all um, homestyle, because that's what our main our menu is, mainly homestyle food. Um, but the way that it was presented was on a lid of a trash can. <laughs>
2: so,
1: so they had different kinds of sizes of trash can lids, from the smallest you could find, which is the one we have, to the biggest lid that you can imagine. And they, they, they called them the trash can nacho. And they served them with uh, shredded beef, ground beef, um, chicken, shrimp, every single way that you can think of to fix nachos. And when Kitty first came up with the idea, I'm sorry, Juliana, when she first came up with the idea of doing a restaurant, well, then that was the one of the number one things that was going to get put on the menu.
0: Yeah, and it's it's it, they're so delicious. And, um you mentioned uh, Kitty, and and Juliana Stricker is the actual owner, but her nickname all these years to her friends and family has been Kitty. So I think I'm more comfortable calling her Kitty, even though we know her formal name is Juliana. Is that yeah. okay? <laughs> but, you know, the Moss Trash, canned nachos, um, you know, That It just seems like, you know, you you walk in, you go into an eatery there, downtown Saginaw, right across from uh, the SVRC marketplace, and you get such a mixture of different foods. And, you know, I'm sure that most of it comes from uh, Kitty, Juliana, as well as some of her friends, but I think you and Bob have been a big uh, support system for her, and and you're pretty much involved on an everyday basis there, right, Jane?
1: Well, we're there most of the time, not every single day. Um, you know, we we're retired ourselves, and so we got other things that we like to get involved with and enjoy doing. But we're there quite a bit, um, and you know, it's it's just us doing what we can do. I'm of course in the kitchen helping up our our great, fantastic cook, and uh, that came to us with many years of experience. And you know, when we were developing the uh, menu of we had all these different ideas of how we were going to be putting salads and sandwiches and soups together, and little by little, you know, they became finalized, and, you know, it was was trial and error, a lot of testing, a lot of checking it out, a lot of uh, us having different people sampling before it even went on the menu. So, you know, it was a trial and error kind of thing for a little while, but, you know, eventually it all started coming together.
0: Mm-hmm. And, what, and we what, also, what is your what is the biggest seller there, you would say?
1: Oh, Cubano. The Cubano? Cubano and Ruben, they're the big guys.
0: Tell me about um, the also, Cubano. What, how is that made?
1: Well, I'm going to let Bob explain Cubano because I don't eat those things. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Go ahead, Bob. Okay. Jane, Jane's not a vegetarian, but close to it. Okay, the Cubano is a uh, pork roasted to perfection with grilled ham, Swiss cheese, pickles, uh, um, grilled on a French bread, and you can add whatever you want. Now, um, yeah, that, that's a classic. Now, uh, last year, when things were running, uh, we had a, a very nice compliment from a lady from Florida, oh, the yeah. home of Cubano's, and she came up and she had one, and she loved it. She says it's delicious, and it's... Reminder here at home, and that was a great, uh, great compliment. Nice. Um, People ask us what's what's our favorite. Well, we can't say because they're all good. Right. Uh, Whatever your desire, everything's fresh. The soups are fresh. Tostadas, chicken burritos, BLTs, whatever you want. So Uh,
0: there's quite a big um, uh, Mexican influence
2: there with Valerie's. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um. Uh, uh, Jane will explain to you where the name came from.
1: Hi there. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, so then, talking about uh, the influences that we have, a lot of it, uh, I would say maybe 50% of it is, I'm going to say Mexican or Mm Tex-Mex. And, um, you know, it, it's just the different kind of big foods that we've grown up with and what we've gone to develop. We do have a lot of different sandwiches, like I mentioned, and, and salads, and we do do special orders, too. We recently put up a menu of um, pizzas, artisan-style pizzas, which just this week uh, have been introduced. And so that, that's one of the new things that we're having.
0: So you're kind of always uh, continually developing the different foods oh, yeah. and styles yeah. there. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, you, yeah, you, you, you know, uh, um, the Cubano, I think I've seen um, a, a version of it as well, because um, I, I have tasted it. It's, it's delicious. I uh, I remember when you first opened, that was on the menu. And mm-hmm. um, you recently had um, a big order that you uh, sent over to St. Mary's, I believe, for the front liners. Oh yeah! Can you tell us about um, that?
1: Yes. Um, so Juliana used to work different different kind of positions in the at the two hospitals, uh, Covenant and Saint Mary's, and um, she she took a big uh, risk by starting you know the restaurant. Um, but she still maintained relationships, and, and she developed close friendships with a lot of the people, doctors and nurses and different personnel at St. Mary's and at Covenant. So they, they have been uh, very um, big supporters, big customers for her at the restaurant at Valley's Downtown. Um, I would say at least once a week we get big orders from, um, from Covenant and also, I would say at least several times a month, we get big orders from uh, also St. Mary's. And, and Team One has been really, really uh, just fantastic as far as um, providing those many of those meals that go to the hospitals. Um, I don't know how they do it, but all of a sudden we get a phone call from Team One, and they want us to send 100 sandwiches. Wow. over to St. Mary's or to Covenant or, you know, we, we get Team One is is out there and they're part of um, our, I don't know, I want to call it our, our fairy godparents or our, our main support or, you know, we get excited when we get a call from Team One. I should just say it like that. Um, and when Covenant calls and they want to put in a big order, if they're having some kind of a lecture series, or they want to just be able to provide meals for their certain parts of the hospital, a certain section of a wing or something, then we get excited when they call, too. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we've we provided different meals, different times. Um, we've collaborated with different organizations. Um, uh, Central World Kitchen has contacted Values downtown to do sandwiches at the time when uh, we were doing the... Voting back in November,
2: mm-hmm.
1: we set up a little display at the um, Y, and everybody that came to vote was to have lunch. We provided them with a drink, a sandwich, and a bag of chips and a cookie, and everybody left happy and, and going in to, to go home after they had already voted. So uh, we collaborated with Central Kitchen. We also did a Boys and Girls Club luncheon several times throughout the summer. Uh, that was sponsored by... Um, a big Michigan great um, Magic Johnson.
0: Mm Oh,
1: yeah. So, you know, and and even the Woodley family has reached out to us, um, you know, to provide different kinds of meals and sandwiches throughout the year. So we're very grateful for, you know, the community supporting us. Um, well, and, well you know jane you know, that
0: that's something i think that's really important is you know the collaboration of of entities downtown within the city of saginaw all helping each other because as you know you know saginaw had had taken a huge hit through the years and i oh, yeah. i really feel that you know prior to the pandemic we were we were coming back even downtown with the the development of uh the delta college uh satellite offices there and the school and you know it it just seems like there, had, there was a new gen, uh, vib, vibrant uh, community within downtown. And, oh, yeah. And, and you, you got a building that is being built right there next to Valerie's um, downtown oh, oh, that yeah. I think is going to also help in bringing oh, business. Yeah. Can you tell me we, about we, that?
1: Well, the, the building's going up, um, and I believe, I believe it's going to be uh, in full business sometime in the spring or early summer. Uh, that building is a bank. The bottom floor will be a bank, and the two top floors will be apartments. And that's a, a, a development that is being uh, uh, made by the Shaheen family, mm-hmm. who has done great things in downtown Saginaw and helped to become the, you know, the the leaders in Riverside downtown area. That um, you know have have. You know, SAG and I have just benefited so much from all their mm-hmm. accomplishments and contributions that they've made.
0: And so you, so you're going to have what bank is it that's going to be there?
1: Well, I'm, all I can remember is at a first date something that's all I can remember about it. So uh-huh. you know, they're, they're constantly out there doing and banging away, and I can hear hammers mm-hmm. and different machinery and saws and different things going on. So it's just a lot of different things happening, but part part, part of the Riverside, Saginaw area, it has has always had different things going on. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we're part, we're glad to be part of that area. Um, We have no apprehensions about being down there. I think downtown Saginaw is a great place to be. Um, We have no fear of anything day or night. In fact, in the summertime, Juliana has a a patio that's open where she puts in a... um, little portable uh, open pit fires where people can dine outside. She has um, entertainment that she has uh, certain days of the week. And, you know, it you you look there and you see what's happening. The music draws you because it's all outdoors and it, you can just hear, you know, that there's something going on and the, the music draws you to, to the location. And you just got to go in there and sit and you feel like you're in a whole different place, not mm-hmm. downtown Saginaw.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You
1: feel like you're just somewhere like in New Orleans or, you know, downtown someplace, but not downtown Saginaw. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's a great place to be. Um, and
0: and with, we, the, with the development of SVRC Marketplace, you know, everything that's going on there, you guys are right in center because you're right across the street from that. So I'm, I'm sure that you're benefiting as well from all the development that's happening in SVRC and... oh yeah
1: and you know we, we try real real good or real hard to be good neighbors mm-hmm. you know we don't uh, we don't have an animosity or we don't have a you know the, our, our place is better than somebody else is in there it's not that kind you know we try to be supportive of each other and one another and you know our, our hours are limited and if someone is interested in going somewhere at svrc then they can just go across the street because we tell them you know we're closing in half an hour but SCRC has a lot of excellent places, you know, options for going to sit and have lunch or mm-hmm. just a quick sandwich or something like that.
0: Well, we're we're just about running out of time here, but I, I do want to uh, mention that uh, Juliana Kitty Stricker is a 1999 Reese graduate. And um, she named this eatery restaurant after her sister, Valerie. Can you tell us yes, about how did. that happened?
1: Okay, uh, so yeah, Val was uh, was our oldest daughter, and um, she was very much part of the Reese community, the high school, the teachers, everybody that had anything to do with being involved in different kinds of sports-related activities in the Reese area, which is originally where we're from. Um, you know, knew of Val, knew of our family, and so um, long story short, you know, we we. Got a lot of love and support. Our daughter Val passed away in August of, 20, of 1996. And so when Valerie was, when I'm sorry, when Juliana was trying to um, think of a name for the restaurant, for some reason her heart told her that she had to name it Valerie's.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, you know, my heart as a mom just melted and, and I, you know, I had these mom tears coming down right away and... You know, it was a happy occasion, a happy time. And, you know, we were so happy and so proud of of Juliana for the big step that she took, but also that she named it in honor of her sister. Yeah. And, Uh, in fact, a lot of the different menu items are named after somebody of us in our family. Uh, We got the Michaela salad that's named after our youngest daughter. Um, The Slim Bob is named after Dad.
0: (laughs) Slim Uh, Bob.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and, you know, everything else is just, um, you know, inspired by different things of our family. And mm-hmm. then we got number one is uh, Valerie's Own, yeah. you know, which is also a very popular one.
0: Well, you but know, give... that Valerie uh, was such a shining light, and I'm so, I was really thrilled to see the name as well as Valerie and to see the success of what you guys are doing and bringing to downtown Saginaw. And to see, you know, Juliana Kitty, uh, you know, being an entrepreneur it, it, it really she's come a long way you know it's it speaks volumes of yeah. her character and the strong stronghold of family with what you guys oh, are yeah. doing down there so thank you so it's, much you and Bob for being on the show me gente on air today I am thrilled to uh, have you on and to support small businesses that's what we really have to do in this time that's, especially and that's the
1: main thing right first yes, yes small
0: and and you're and you're doing takeout correct on on we Monday did- or on, not on Mondays on Tuesdays through well, friday no, we
1: do we do take out 10 10 to 3 monday through friday right we also do special occasions where we have uh hosted baby showers graduation parties retirement parties different things like that and here's bob he wants to say one more thing
2: okay our beloved governor is going to open up all the restaurants on the 15th and uh, uh everybody everybody come down and check it out it's uh it ain't easy having a little restaurant. Uh, Kitty has to make it on her own. It's her baby. We we help out, but it's her. Yeah. It's her venture. So I, I encourage everyone to come down. And there's parking across the street on the uh, all over the place. There, although uh, Mr. Sheheen put up that building next door, we lost some parking there. But across the street, there's plenty. Uh, there's street side parking and uh, on the corner of Jane's and uh, Genesee, there's parking. So uh, so please come down and check it out, and uh, thank you, Primo.
0: All right, thank you, and thank you for uh, being with us on Mijenta on Air today, and thank you for just doing and supporting your daughter the way you have. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. All right.
2: See okay,
0: you, This is Mihenta on Air on
2: WSGW.
0: to Behintay on Air on WSGW. Welcome back. This is Larry Rodarte, and I'm talking to you from the studios at WSGW. And like I said earlier in the program, I'm excited because we're talking about food. And Valerie's Downtown eatery is a great example of a mixture of cultures coming together uh, with a a Mexican influence of culinary expertise. And it's wonderful to see that the Mexican foods that so many within our community are familiar with seem to be growing and coming to the forefront to the greater uh, community. And so I wanted to talk a little bit about what we do at the Union Civica in terms of the foods that we cooked there, um, because I'm, I'm quite involved with that. And so many times um, I've noticed that people who come to the Civica or who talk about the Civica and the food that's made there, they reference that it is the little old ladies that are cooking in there. And in years past, that's exactly what it was. And I mentioned on a show, probably I think it was last week, when we talked about the early days of the Civica when the women uh, protested and said, if, if you're not going to allow us to be members, then we're not going to cook for you. And so that uh, issue was quickly dissolved because for the events and for uh, their stomachs, the, the men had to uh, say, okay, we're going to let you be members then. No problem, (laughs) right? But, you know, today, the Union Civica, it's not the little old ladies. Uh, We have a new crew of cooks who have um, done really well in the last 10 years who are putting out the famous patito. The mighty patito is what we call it. And it is a deep-fried taco that is uh, similar to what the El Gaito restaurant put out back in the 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s. I'm old enough to remember back in the 1960s, and I believe it was probably 1968 or 69, when Grandma Gallardo, Connie Gallardo was her name, was in the kitchen over there on the restaurant on Hess Street. And I remember she had a big basket, Um, that she would roll out her tortillas, her masa, and when she was done, she would put those tortillas on the side of that basket all the way around. And that's how she was making her patitos. And they were great sellers, and that's what Gaito was known for, as well as the great foods, other foods that they served at that restaurant. Well, today, we do the same thing as Grandma Gallardo, at the Union Civica Mexicana. I've got uh, a great staff. Uh, i got an 18-year-old young man and a a 35-year-old young man who are rolling out the masa. They are making the patitos. They're making tortillas. And it's really something to see from 1968 all the way to 2021 that this process uh, is something that we're doing. We're not doing it by machines. We're not doing it... um, Uh, with a with a big tortilla maker we're doing it by hand and i think that's what makes the difference with the patitos because i recently talked with one of my aunts who said how are you making those patitos so puffy and i said well you know i am uh using masa we're actually using masa and rolling it out by hand and she says oh she says i was using tortillas that are already cooked you know that she buys in a package and um she thought that that's how we could, that she could do the, the potitos, but it's not that way at all. And I encourage anybody to come to the Union Civica and try out our potitos if you haven't, because they're delicious. And I and I want to talk a little bit about, too, um, the soups, the different soups, you know, in this time of, of January where it's so cold out. And I have been making the menudo at the Civica as well as pozole. And you know these are soups that go way back, you know, probably to the Aztec and the Mayan times, and um, they really warm your soul. And I'd say, and I like to say, they really warm your your heart and soul, because after you've had a, a hearty dose of menudo or pozole, you feel great. And everyone knows that menudo is the cure for a hangover. At least it helps. <laughs> but I want to tell you. One of the secrets that I have found in cooking those different soups is the, the importance of using actual chilies. I'm not talking about using um, the powders or any um, chili ancho uh, powder. I'm talking about actually using the, the pods and the actual chilies that come out of the ground. And I'm telling you, it makes a huge difference. I, I know cooking can sometimes um, be difficult and you want to cut corners or what. But I'm telling you, do not cut corners when it comes to making the chili ancho sauce or the guajillo sauce that you utilize in these foods. It's very important because that ancho or guajillo or pasilla, they are the magic of these soups. And I want to break it down for you. In menudo, we actually use the beef tripe. That's the, the beef stomach tripe. And, you know, we make sure it's clean and cut really nice. And that is what we add uh, to our sauces. And that sauce that we make is... I know people use the Gephardt menudo spice mix. That, that's always really good. But you can also really... Uh, flavor up a soup by utilizing the the, the comino and and the garlic cloves, as well as the 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 chili pods that I mentioned. Now in in like my menudo, I utilize the guajillo. It seems to give it a different flavor, but not too much. It's not overpowering. But what it does is it gives it a very red color to the menudo, and I like to see my menudo. Light. I like to see it a light color, not not dark, but light. And I think that that guajillo chili is what gives it that 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 color. And also, when you're when you're making these these caldos, it's important that you blend that chili. So so I'm gonna take it from the beginning. You get these pods. You have to take off the stems, and you have to wear gloves because if you don't wear gloves, you're gonna burn your eyes with that that hot spice of the chili. And you want to go into those pods and you want to take out the seeds. And you can leave the skins, you can leave the veins, but you want to make sure you take out the seeds um, because if you don't, then it's going to be very spicy. And some some may like that. I don't know. But I don't. But once you take out those uh, seeds, you then boil the pods, after you've cleaned them real well in the sink, you boil them per- probably about 20 minutes at least so that they become pliable and soft and you're able to mix it in a blender with, like I said, the, the garlic and the comino and the salt and onion, if you will. Um, and it gives you that delicious, rich sauce that's very, very uh, queso sabroso I want to say, because it, it's what gives the flavor to the caldos. And when you're working with a chili ancho pod, the chili ancho itself is is magical in in Mexican cooking, and I say that because you can use the same process of boiling the chilies, cleaning them, boiling them, mixing them with the spices, and you want to make sure that you actually strain it from uh, all the veins and the 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 hardy uh, the hardy outside of the chili, and so once you've got that and you've strained it, that's what you're going to use. But you can use this sauce, the chile ancho sauce that I'm talking about, you can use it for not only your menudo, if if your recipe calls for it, you can use it for enchiladas, you can uh, use it for tamales. That's what I put in my masa. That's what I put in my meat when I'm making tamales. And, of course, when I'm making pozole. And pozole, you know... The way I make it is made with the pork neck bone. It's kind of like a neck bone soup, but we call it pozole. And uh, it's the neck bone in this sauce made from the chili ancho pod. So those are the, the, the soups that I make. And I'm telling you that chili ancho is magical because you can use it in so many different variety of foods that... Uh, go way back, and and this recipe that I'm using that is also in the cookbook that I uh, published called the Diaz Cookbook, those, those recipes come from my great-grandmother, Cecilia Rosales-Diaz. And I can imagine, and I remember my mom telling me stories, but I can just imagine that Mama Cecilia was up in the mountains somewhere where she was from in Wandacareo, Michoacan, You know, using these same, very same peppers from the ground. And what she would probably do was uh, grind them on the metate or mocajete and um, use these for winter stews um, up in in the mountain, in the mountainous regions of Mexico. And and one of the things that um, they use in these soups as well, pozole and menudo, is the hominy. Now, traditionally, Mexicans from Mexico, they usually do not use hominy in their menudo. It's just straight-up uh, tripe, the beef tripe. But somewhere down the road, and I don't know if this that's a Tex-Mex uh, thing or what, but we use hominy, and we use the white hominy that you see, and not the Mexican hominy because the Mexican hominy that you can buy in the stores as well it's a, it doesn't get soft, it stays hard, and it's got kind of like a, a little black eye on the outside of the hominy piece, whereas the white hominy, it doesn't have that. So that, that's the difference. When you're buying it at a store for these soups, make sure you get the white hominy, not the Mexican hominy. Okay. So when we talk about the pozole, uh, the hearty stew of, of pork, it sometimes also has pork butt within it and i don't use pork butt usually i just use the 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 neck bone because the pork butt to me it doesn't um it doesn't seem to soak in the flavors it's 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 kind of um bland when you bite into it and i rather use the pork neck bone because it's much more flavorful and it really soaks in that spice of the chili ancho and um It also is very, it's very delicious. I think this week I I made it and it was probably one of the most uh, delicious pozoles that I've ever made. And and key to it is that I have found in making these soups is that you do not use a lot of water. You cover your meat with the water. You, You make sure it's all covered. And that's what you start with. And then you add your, of course, your sauce from the chili pods. And then you can also add water if need be. But when you you boil the those the neck bone in the soup, and it has less water, of course it's going to take on the flavor of the meat, and it's going to be very delicious. Too many times I have made pozole where I've used too much water, and it comes out bland, and you got to add a bunch of spices and a bunch of the chili, and sometimes uh, it just doesn't work that way. So. My advice to anybody who's attempting these soups is to make sure that you don't use a lot of water that you cover. Make sure your meat is covered and you can always add water once it's boiled out. But that's just something, my advice. Somebody who has made this before may have a different take on it. But the pork neck bone, I'm telling you, that's, that's the way to go. That is the, the meat that is uh, of choice and it's delicious in that soup. And I want to also talk a little bit about uh, shrimp caldo soup. Utilizing, you know, jumbo shrimp or the smaller shrimps, whatever uh, you buy at your local store, you know, and utilizing a sauce similar to what you use in pozole and menudo. It's a little bit different. I don't use the chili ancho for this particular soup, shrimp caldo soup. I actually use chili pasilla and chili guajillo. And in that mixture, it gives it a, a real uh, a real spicy caldo, which is um, a, li- a little hot for me, but I, I like it. And it just seems to do well with the shrimp taste, the fishy taste. It takes it out, but it, it keeps it still in there. But that, that chili pasilla, as you know, it's a, it's a hotter chili and uh, it's it's mas picante than say guajillo where guajillo is more for the flavoring and the coloring of your caldos so these chilies i want to mention too is chilies that of course you can get at vargas tortillas they sell them there all the different ones as well as well as chile arboro and also you can get these chilies chile ancho Guajillo, pasilla all at your local save a lot right there in Saginaw on Michigan Avenue, that's where the Save-A-Lot has the Mexican products. Not all the Save-A-Lots do, um, but that one there on Michigan Avenue does have Mexican products, and you can buy. They have quite a big section. I really, uh, kudos to them because um, I've I've seen them grow and add, and I've seen where they really are uh, putting the the leaves and the the meat as well as these chili pods uh for when people make tamales and we have just passed the tamale season and i know that a lot of people go to save a vargas tortillas to get the ingredients to make that great tamale so that's what um i wanted to talk about today i know that uh everybody um has their different recipes, but I, I did want to uh, push the Dias Cookbook because that's something that I know. And this is this show is called Mi gente on air, which means my people. And my people have put out a cookbook, and I, I'm happy to share that with everybody because I feel personally that if you are actually, um, if you are actually cooking. You need to share recipes. You can't be stingy on your recipes because if you're stingy, then your food is going to taste bad. It's not going to be as good. And I think that as a people, the Mexican people, we need to share our culinary uh, history, our culture, and I think that that's one of the one of the reasons why the Unión Cívica Mexicana was founded. But I feel that the more that people actually have these recipes within their homes, um, and it's passed down from generation to generation. The, the the longer that these types of soups will be around, and that and that's a beautiful thing. Um, within the cookbook, I have also my Tia Delas Caldo de Abondegas, which is is a meatball soup, and it's very delicious. I I have uh, Mama Cecilia's mole, and she would make this on special occasions for her children and grandchildren, the special milestone events in their lives. And, um, she was always requested to make this. And in, for many of our, the listeners who are older, um, uh, they might remember her as Doña Cecilia. And she attended the novenas at, um, St. Joseph as well as was a, uh, original Dama de Guadalupe. And those are all things that we've talked about on this show in the past. And, um, the thing that I feel is really important for our younger generation today, you know, the Civica was founded so that um, they would know their culture, they would know their language. That was that was part of one of the, one of three reasons that they founded that I gave in last week's show. But I think that whenever you have an event, and I'm talking a gathering of friends and family, or if you're having a, a community event, or you're trying to Bring people together for a cause. It is the food, the Mexican food, that m- makes things happen, brings people together in such a way. And we have utilized um, that that uh, f- that thinking in regard to our events at the Civica. We have had brunches where we have had foods um, and. I'm telling you, if you don't have food at your events, it's not going to be as, as successful, and people are not going to come around. You know how in that movie they said build it and it will come. Well, cook up a good, uh, patito dinner or enchilada dinner or tostada dinner, and people will come. That's that's just the way that's just the way it works. And I have a friend who is out in. Um, flint area her name is marlise martinez and she actually refers me refers to me as the pozole man and i told her that i made the best pozole i've ever made this last sunday and she was mad she was mad she said bad and i and i said why and she says because i didn't get any (laughs) and i said well uh i'm sorry but uh they are our caldos when we sell them they, go, they sell out pretty fast. They sell out on a Sunday is when we seem to uh, have a request for them, and it's probably because many of the people who are requesting menudo, they're trying to beat a hangover from the night before. So <laughs> that's why Sunday's always so popular. But I know that, like, um, some of the restaurants, like, TNT um they have their uh version of their menudo Cruz Kitchen he has a great menudo that I've tasted at the Tamale Taste Off each year and, uh Maria's restaurant over on State Street wow she's got a great menudo but nobody really makes the pozole and so uh I want to push that a little bit more and hopefully uh more people will make that pozole um rather than just uh the Union Civica and um, I want to mention lastly, because we're running out of time here, that within this cookbook, um, there's a lot of older pictures of family members. And there was a theme of uh, when, uh, the, the matriarchs of our family in uh, aprons. That was kind of the theme of it. And it just really has um, touched the heart of so many of the family members. And I want to share that, you know, with the the greater community and We've had orders from Texas and Arizona, Florida. I got one from Georgia um, recently. And it's just so heartwarming to know that these recipes are being spread throughout the United States and um, are going to continue on. And hopefully these new uh, cook chefs, would-be chefs, are utilizing them. And i got to tell them that, it's going to take more than once or twice trying a recipe. And that's why I purposely didn't put pictures of the foods because I felt that when people cook and they use a recipe, they, they sometimes try to shoot for the version that's before them. But it's going to take a number of different times in order to perfect that recipe. And you may never get it exactly how the original uh, person who submitted the recipe has it. But you will come close, and with their guidance, with the recipe submitted, you'll have a pretty decent meal. And people are going to say, hey, where did, where did you learn to cook? And it's it's something that I feel is so strongly part of the Mexican culture and has been for years. All those um, immigrants, migrants that came from Mexico, what did they bring along when they crossed that border? They brought the intellect of uh, their ancestors and of their uh, culinary uh, recipes. So that's what we're doing here in 2021. I'm, I'm so thankful that my Tia Cruz and my Tia Della, my Tia Rosie, that, you know, they all had, um, uh, they all contributed to this cookbook and are passing down these recipes for the generations to come. So, I want to thank everybody for listening today. There's so much going on in our country as we are recording this. uh, There is protesting going on. I can see in the TV screen across the hall at the Capitol building. And, you know, uh, I don't know who said it, um, but they said, oh, it was Alex Trebek just before he passed. He said that we have to be kinder to one another. We have to shoot for a kinder nation. And after all that we've gone through in 2020, I think uh, he said it best. And I think that um, we all have to do our part to make sure that the America that we have here is the America that is grounded by our Constitution and not by any one individual. So I I say that in closing. I'm looking at these images. It's just unbelievable. 2021, we've got to get better. We've got to do better. America. We've got to be the America that we used to be. So, thank you so much for joining me. I'm Larry Rodarte on Mi Gente On Air. See you next week.